I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Gary Trust Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, chart manager here at Billboard. On uh, well, it's April 10th when we're taping this. It was snowing this morning. So it's been spring for a couple weeks. No, it wasn't. Where I come in from a little bit more up north. Okay, well, the, uh, well it still counts. I mean, well, not, well, it could have been snowing anywhere. By, by that definition, it was, you know, if you come in from Alaska, man, it was snowing this morning. Well, we're in Miami now, so no, it wasn't. I didn't come in from Alaska, but you came in from. And the point is, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, wasn't, it was not snowing where we are now. The tri-state area. It wasn't snowing in New York City. But I didn't come in from the North Pole where it's always snowing. This literally proves that the argument that someone will argue whether the sky is blue. The the sky is still blue even when it snows. When is the sky not like like when it's gray? It's gray. But how is but is it, is the sky actually gray? Who says oh, blue skies today? It's snowing. But it's, but it's one of those things where, like, you know, the sky is, like, is, like, blue, but, like, because of what, whether it's, like, the cloud coverage or something that obscures it, we see gray. It's, like, it's, like, it's, like, the sky is still blue out there. Is it sunny at night, but we just can't see the sun? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess in theory, it's just, it's sunny somewhere, right? Sunny blue skies in the middle of the night. Uh, in well, Trevor's world. Well, no, not, no, not where I am, but it's not, but it's not like saying... Like the like the sun, the sunny blue sky doesn't exist because you can't see it. We need a meteorologist. We we need a, a meteorologist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. <laughs> we, we the whole ologists. All right, we're gonna be talking Taylor Swift uh, coming up here on the podcast. Uh, Reputation, her latest studio album came out in November. It's been on the Billboard 200 album chart for 21 weeks now. She's four singles deep. We're going to look at how the album's been doing overall, uh, sales, and more specifically how the singles from it have been doing at pop radio, because that's really been her home since the last album, 1989 and 2014. So do a little uh, compare and contrast perhaps arguing about that coming up and we're going to talk to sean ross author of the industry uh, newsletter ross on radio to give us some good insights about uh, how we should be looking at the singles and overall success of reputation so far and other uh, songs top 40 so uh, that's coming up and uh, as always let's get into this week's top 10 on the billboard Hot 100 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 one. 
walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo. Number 10. Walk it like I talk it. Hey, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Woo, walk it like I talk it. Talk it. I woke up in Chris Brown's body. Number nine. So how this shit turned into Freaky Friday. But we got no choice but to turn this bitch sideways. Number eight. So beautiful, I don't deserve it. Darling, you look perfect. You just meet me in the middle. Number six. I'm losing my mind just a little. So why don't you just meet me in the middle? In the middle. Shelby Drive, look alive, look alive. Niggas Number five. On this side, now they on the other side. Oh, Nobody with all this jewelry on you. My roof look like a no show. Got diamonds by the bolo. Come with the Tony Homo for clowns and all the. It's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. Number two. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. So won't you? God's plan. God's plan. And number one. I hold back sometimes, I won't. I feel good sometimes I don't. Hey, no. I finesse down Western Road. Hey, next. Might go down to GOD. Yeah. All right, chart fans out there, keeping score every week, and we know you are. That is 11 weeks in a row for God's plan. Drake, uh, number one, once again this week on the Billboard Hot 100. As I'm sure plenty of Drake fans and chart fans will note, 11 weeks officially makes it Drake's longest running number one single of his entire career. Round of applause for Drake. Yay. Gary's going to have to find a audio clip of people clapping for this. Done. With 11 weeks, we're moving past One Dance back in 2016, which had 10 weeks at the top. And of course, uh, when God's Plan first came out, it actually debuted at number one and has not left the mark since. So the only place it knows on the Hot 100 is number one. And 11 weeks into that... That's first 11 weeks of its entire chart career. Being at number one is actually the first song to do that since Elton John, Candle in the Wind, when it came out back in 1997. Of course, the reworked version of the song to pay tribute to the recently deceased Diana, Princess of Wales, uh, back then. So there's that version there from 1997. Uh, There's a new version of Candle in the Wind by someone else in this top 10 this week. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind Never knowing who to cling to when the rain set I would like to have known you but I was just a kid Candle burned out long before 
So that's Ed Sheeran's version from the new uh, tribute album to uh, Elton John. Uh, so many acts, Lady Gaga. There's a country uh, version as well, a remaking Elton John song. So uh, Ken Lewin, uh, now remade by Ed Sheeran. Folky version, kind of a nice uh, 70s strummy folky version. Uh, let's talk about life. Strictly being alive. Strictly look alive, which is back in the top five on the Hot 100. You guys just heard uh, another Drake song. So Drake holding it down at numbers one and five at the top in the middle and of course now drake bringing up the rear as well number 10 this week migos walk talk it featuring the one the only drake gives drake three songs in the top 10 for the first time in his career which i think maybe people might be surprised by that just based on just sort of how ubiquitous drake has been in the past uh almost decade so many hits obviously has the record for the most hot 100 hits um for anybody not named the glee cast it just seems kind of interesting that he never quite had this concentration of hits all in one week even though it seems like there was never a week where multiple drake songs weren't hot at the same time so kind of a fun fact but of course uh as we've basically been seeing over the past year year and a half any chart accomplishment that he does not have yet he's ticking them off you think especially, too, uh, we had that run of eight straight years on the chart, which is unprecedented. So, uh, yeah, he's still still hitting new heights. And looking ahead to see uh, what songs on the horizon might stop Drake from getting that Dirty Dozen 12 at the top next week. Uh, you know, there have been some talk. We thought Finesse may have had a shot early in the run. People were looking at this new Weekend EP that came out uh, a little over a week ago. Maybe one of those songs could do it. Now it seems like... The only person who can knock Drake from number one might just be Drake himself. Uh, as everyone knows by now. If you don't know, get your head from under the rock. Nice for what? New song by Drake came out last Friday night, along with the music video, star-studded. I mean, everybody from Issa Rae, Tracy Ellis Ross, Tiffany Haddish was in it. Bunch of people in the video uh, also coming out at the same time. Next week, everyone's thinking that will make a huge splash on the Hot 100. It... it really should uh ran a story up here at billboards to uh, getting some weekend projections how the song did in its first couple of days already pulling close to 20 million streams selling about forty-five thousand. so look forward to probably be the best selling song of the week next week it's been number one on itunes since it came out uh should have as with all things drake a massive streaming debut and so if god's plan can hold on look alive i mean those should probably be strong top 10 contenders as well and if Migos can hold on as well, Drake might have four songs in the top ten next week, which would make him, conveniently, the fourth person to do that. Talking uh, feet only achieved by our friends, of course, the Beatles. If you paid attention last week, you'll know they had five in the top five back in 1964, 50 Cent and T-Pain. So, uh, kind of a fun little group of acts. I don't think people would have thought maybe 50 Cent and T-Pain would have been up there. But uh, certainly the Beatles and certainly four in the top 10. I mean, you are the man of the moment. Kind of crazy that uh, for all he's done, Drake is still uh, potentially hitting uh, hitting these new highs uh, again, maybe next week uh, with, with Nice For What. So we'll see how high that uh, can debut. It looks looks like the top 10 is pretty much a lock. Top five looking really possible from uh, just those first days of, of tracking. Can a challenge uh, for number one? We'll we'll see. Uh, there's still that huge radio audience that God's Plan has that uh, Nice for What just won't have in that first week. So that probably will be uh, the difference. Uh, even if uh, the new song overtakes God's Plan in streaming and sales, uh, Airplay could wind up making the difference. So, yeah. All right. Um, also, of course, Challenger is currently on the chart. Uh, number two, 
always a threat to number one. This week, once again, three weeks in a row, BB Rexa, Florida, Georgia line with Meant to Be. Right, so the big thing about this song this week is it goes to number one on the radio songs chart, and uh, for Florida Georgia Line, a core country act, even though they've uh, kind of branched off to pop and even uh, some dance songs that they've been on at this point, uh, it's the first number one song on radio songs for a country act in eight years since Lady Antebellum with Need You Now in 2010. So they're talking really historic uh, pop country crossover a success with the song. Only uh, one other uh, country hit has ever hit number one on radio songs charts been around since 1990 so we're talking need you now meant to be and before that the person i'm going to be talking about more taylor swift you belong with me looking at uh, on the hot 100 uh, still a huge gap at the moment uh, between one and two though uh, it's a 1.5 to one points lead for drake over uh, bb and florida georgia line so a week ago it was 1.7 to one this week it's 1.5 so it's closing in but it's still a pretty pretty big lead and and yeah as we're saying maybe Maybe it's Drake who replaces Drake next week. But Drake is uh, not the only Canadian making waves. Uh, I'm sure as you guys heard a new entry back there at number four on the Hot 100 this week. The weekend is back. Uh, Call Out My Name, the highest charting of his six songs from the new My Dear Melancholy EP that debuted at number one this week on the Billboard 200. Uh, this is actually the second top ten for the weekend this year. If you guys remember song Pray For Me with Kendrick Lamar from the Black Panther soundtrack, also a top 10 hit uh, just a few weeks ago. So now we've got new EP, another top 10 hit. Uh, Also, all six of those songs from the My Dear Melancholy EP do debut on the Hot 100, somewhere between 4 and 52. So the weekend adding six more hits to his resume this week, actually bringing him to a nice even total of 50. Yeah. So the weekend uh, with a half century of hits on the Hot 100, Really one of the biggest stars, you know, on the chart in the past couple of years. The only thing I don't like uh, that you mentioned is uh, Drake being from Canada, just because I was watching the Celtics play the Raptors recently, and Drake was right there courtside cheering really heavily for the Raptors, not the Celtics. Well, of course, we, we all know Drake's been a huge, you know, fan of all things Canadian sports. I can usually look past that, though, when I see it suddenly right in motion there. It makes it a little tougher to take. Yes, we've got basketball team that everyone knows uh, is the best let's move on to taylor swift uh, on the podcast for our interview uh, coming up here in just a moment with sean ross so uh reputation came out in november taylor swift's follow-up to 1989 which is her first pop album so at this point it's been out long enough we can kind of compare how they've done over uh, their runs to this point so uh, 21 weeks on the billboard 200 so far for reputation uh, it's at number 16 this week it's actually been rising the last four weeks as a new single delicate climbs uh, it's up 52 46 on the hot 100 this week uh, it's sold just over 2 million so uh that's the start so far for reputation on the billboard 200 first 21 weeks it's number 16 uh, 1989 it had a much better chart run. Uh, first 43 weeks in the top 10 on the Billboard 200. 
And it's for 78 weeks in the top 40. So uh, 21 weeks so far, all in the top 40 for reputation. But 78 is the mark uh, to match or beat for uh, 1989 and 2014 is when it uh, came out. So uh, we'll see where that goes going forward. Uh, sales, uh, comparison, uh, pretty stark uh, difference there, too. So reputation has sold uh, just over 2 million uh, in its first 21 weeks to compare. 1989 had sold 4.6 million. So 4.6 to 2 uh, in that uh, first 21 week span. And yeah, sales have fallen, obviously, but uh, it's only three years. So it's a pretty sharp uh, sales difference, just three years apart for the two albums. Singles at Top 40 Radio on the Pop Songs chart. Look What You Made Me Do, lead single from Reputation. Hit number one, although uh, kind of have to say it's part of the story. It had a record fall to number seven. No other song has fallen from one to seven. And then uh, the next three singles, Ready For It, Peaked number 12, Endgame number 10, and Delicate is up to number 25 in its fourth week. So 1, 12, 10, and 25 so far. Uh, it's a little easier to, to recap the first five singles from 1989, all number one on Pop Song. Shake It Off, Blank Space, Style, Bad Blood, and Wild's Dreams, uh, which is actually second only to uh, Taylor's friend, uh, Katy Perry. Six number ones from Teenage Dream on Pop Songs. So, uh, yeah, you look at all that. It looks like Reputation is kind of uh, in the shadows of 1989. We should point out that uh did debut as 2017's top-selling album from just its first four days. So, major success for the album, but at the same time, when you compare it to 1989, just doesn't look as good. Uh, obviously, Taylor Swift, her personality and her persona, public image, has taken a hit in those couple of years. Of course, the Kim and Kanye feud... For sure, just people thinking she's deceptive, manipulative, people taking problems with her not taking a political stance, whatever your controversy with Taylor Swift is, there there was there was an army out there ready to defend you and support you and, and attack her and obviously she kind of played on that a little bit with this narrative. And it's kinda of funny to me because I think that the narrative of this album is very you know, when it first came out with Look What You Made Me Do and ready for it people kind of thought it was this new taylor this this vin um almost this vicious edgy mean taylor yeah then then the album came out and a lot of those tracks almost like a bait and switch in a way because most of the album is not it's it's really kind of more low-key right obviously a lot of songs are still romantically themed about uh whether her new boyfriend joe or whoever they're about but it's not nearly as you know, uh, spiteful, mean, acidic as people wanted it to be. So then it sells a million copies in its first week. So people think, okay, she's, she's still got this, the selling power. Obviously the album is not too far from a Taylor Swift album. Maybe this could, this could work out. And she's done barely any press for this album. Maybe that's played into it too, that she just maybe doesn't seem as top of mind to everyone. I mean, it could. And you know, we've seen, I mean, that playbook obviously has become more and more a thing in the past couple of years. You know, Beyonce, Jay-Z, well, I, mean, I guess Jay-Z actually does do a good number of interviews now, but Beyonce certainly has shied away from caring to do any interviews and sit-downs and game shows. Uh, Drake, in some ways, is the same part. Hasn't done a whole lot, especially given in terms of the amount of music he's released. Hasn't really performed a lot of these songs on, on major TV shows. And yeah, I mean, of course, Taylor's star power obviously is up there to where she you know, doesn't need the press. Obviously she gets press anytime she does anything, but yeah, I mean, even, even though it seems maybe outdated to people that, you know, going on TV shows and ratings are falling. I mean, there still is an effect when you're on award shows and you're, you're, you're on appearances on late night, 
it may not shoot your album back to number one, but all those sales add up over time. All right. There's a lot to get into. Uh, Hip hop's rise too. It's a, just a different uh, pop landscape right now. Hip uh, hop wasn't as big as it was when 1989 uh, came out. So uh, let's get into all this with someone who tracks radio trends uh, maybe better than anyone else. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Uh, happy to have him back. The author of the Ross on Radio newsletter uh, for the industry. It's Sean Ross on the Billboard Charpy Podcast. Listen for the best. My reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. We can't make any promises now, can we, babe? But you can make me drink. Dive bar on the east side, where you at? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sean Ross, author of the Ross on Radio Industry Newsletter. Thanks so much, Sean, for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure, Gary. So uh, I wanted to start talking about uh, Taylor Swift because it feels like at this point the album's been out for a while. We're now four singles into it uh, at radio and wanted to get your take as a person who oversees uh, so much of what's going on at Top 40 Radio specifically. Uh, What's your take on the singles so far from Reputation at Pop? Obviously, uh, Look What You Made Me Do was a number one hit, although it actually had a record fall from number one. And and then uh, the subsequent three singles just haven't been on par with uh, what they did from 1989, those singles. So uh, I guess the starting point is, uh, do we consider this disappointing at all? Or did she set the bar so high with 1989 that maybe she can just never match that again? Let me start by saying that at this moment, I think they have a good single. I think Delicate uh, has been sitting on the album for a while, and you know, I have a co-worker whose daughter plays that album incessantly. She doesn't follow the charts. Uh, she just has been playing the album over and over again and playing everything equally, and with her mom, Delicate is the one that emerged from the album, and I think that still has a decent shot at this moment. I think her strategy of releasing so many songs before the album hurt her this time. When Shake It Off was out, that song was so strong that Out of the Woods came out and people did nothing with it. I remember hearing Out of the Woods on New Zealand radio and going, how can America not play this? How can nobody in New York City play Welcome to New York and find that off the album and play it? 
this time, because people didn't love Look What You Made Me Do, they played Ready For It, and they played Gorgeous, and I think that sort of muddied the waters for all three songs, and then for Endgame. Yeah, you would think Endgame with Future and, and Ed Sheeran, uh, and Ready For It as well, just in terms of sound. Uh, my thinking was, uh, in the past, she's always had a very unique sound. Uh, you heard a song, you just knew it was Taylor Swift, and it, it feels to me on this album that she's a little bit more uh, trying to be what the sound already is as opposed to leading a trend. Do you think there's a part of it is people you know, always, I don't always think like she's her own sound? following the trend. I think some of this is where she went before. Uh, people forget that when she began using... EDM in her pop music, it was still exotic. You know, she's not following Halsey. Halsey just has the hit with her sound. What about comparing uh, what she did with 1989? Should we think that after all these number ones, just one after another, she should remain at that level? Or is it disappointing when you, when you see a song stop at 10 or 12 on, on the top 40 chart? I don't think anybody has promised a hit in this day and age. I think radio wants her to have hits. I think Radio wants Pink to have hits. I think Radio wants Katy Perry to have hits. I just don't think Radio gives you five chances from the same album and 20 weeks to have a hit anymore, especially if the first one doesn't come through right away. You start mentioning uh, acts like that, and we see uh, kind of brings in to me the new uh, Justin Timberlake album, where the first single uh, missed the top ten on the pop songs chart. We see uh, "Say Something" is you know, top fifteen, but it's not necessarily a lock for the top ten. And you know, Taylor, uh, Timberlake, uh, Katy Perry, these are acts that for a long time have been the unquestionable superstars at top forty radio, and we're seeing them all have some trouble now. Is it uh, is it just the cycle? And, and suddenly we're looking up and realize, geez, the, these acts have actually been around for a while. Justin is, if you think about it, 10 years from being an automatic. He hasn't been an automatic with consensus hits every time out since suit and tie. He took all this time off you know, during, his, you know, during his hot streak. He came back with songs that were not consensus hits. He had another smash with Can't Stop the Feeling, but I don't think anything is guaranteed for him either, and I don't think he knows what he wants to be right now. I think Filthy was, I think Filthy was him saying, maybe I can do something groundbreaking like Sexy Back again, but it was essentially Sexy Back 10 years later. RCA Records said that when uh, Can't Stop the Feeling came out, that was uh, like the one time he's put out a song that was just uh, so perfect for radio. He, uh, you know, kind of he usually doesn't do that. Well, and also, he's done three singles, you know, two to top 40 and one to rhythmic in short succession. That gives people the impression you're scrambling. Rick Squire talks about Elton John putting out a double-sided single on Go some, Grow Some Funk of Your Own and I Feel Like a Bullet. Uh, that was Elton's first real stiff on his hot streak. And WABC didn't really support either side. And Rick Squire, the famous WABC programmer, said, if they have to put out two A-sides, neither one is a hit. 
And I think having a lot of Taylors, a lot of Justins, I think that has confused things. Certainly, Katy Perry began scrambling pre-release and had three songs by the time the album came out. How much of it plays in that hip-hop has become so much bigger? Not necessarily a top 40 radio. We still see uh, even Drake you know, just hit the top 10 with God's Plan. How much of it is uh, hip-hop is so hot right now? It has been for, for over the last year or so. Is is uh, some of this pop stuff that these acts are putting out, uh, uh, Taylor, Katie, Justin, just really not what younger listeners are, are maybe into now when we see the streaming numbers? No, it's comparable to the pop music the top 40 is playing. It's not an F. It's not G-Easy, but it is, again, it's not that different from Halsey. So I don't think that explains all of it. Uh, a lot of these these acts we talked about, uh, Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, Lady Gaga, have been around for, for 10, 12 years. And I think, I mean, I think there comes a point where people feel like they they either label you as, as as what they want from you. You know, even nowadays when people talk about if they went and saw Lady Gaga, if they go and they, they want to hear Poker Face, they want to hear Bad Romance, they want to hear those first hits that they identified with somebody and, and that's it. They're not interested in, you know, Lady Gaga, I guess, trying to come up with a Joanne, a different folk sound, a, a Katy Perry with her, you know, trying to... And Katy Perry, of course, has been more targeted, I think, towards things like cultural appropriation you know how is she going to grab skip marley out of nowhere this is somebody who is just the most pop tart person ever and for her to try to grab migos and have a trap sound i think a lot of people think that that she in particular may be infringing on sounds that she doesn't people don't think she belongs to or she's the best representative of kind of in the same way justin timberlake gets a lot of flack for that being you know a white artist who who takes r&b music it takes r&b sounds and and people think that maybe now, I don't know, in the past couple of years with the rise of social media and people having more platform, people expressing more, you know, harsh opinions about a lot of these artists. Taylor now with so much of this falls in the same camp in game with, with, with future. She's she's trying to rap now, but she's not a rapper. She's not somebody who's ever in a way suggested that she is even tied into to hip hop culture, black culture. Is she just doing it now because it's the hot thing to do? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to a question of authenticity. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, as we see with so many of these these sort of out-of-the-box SoundCloud rappers, people who can upload their sounds out of nowhere, they, they don't have to compete with labels for the same space on shelves or for the same space of placement in iTunes. I think there's a, there's a, 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 a decentralization that are so, are, are so few artists has such a monopoly on the type of sound and what they could do with it that I think it's just fading away and people I mean I don't think people necessarily even rally around any artist the way that 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 they used to I mean there used to be it felt like four or five artists were the dominant artists of the conversation and now you know we look at someone like Eminem whose album I mean relatively you could say flopped and it felt like five years ago Eminem was untouchable ten years ago it was untouchable I mean maybe even Besides maybe an Adele and maybe a Rihanna, those are probably the two people that people still really have a, a, a inclination towards. But I think you know we see with Beyonce. Beyonce is not guaranteed to hit the same way that it feels like she 
has to be five, ten years ago. I mean, no artist is safe, really. Yeah. Well, what I'm trying to say. On that point, Sean, is, is radio, I know it's always been a pop radio song-driven, not necessarily artist-driven. Is, is it any more so now in a streaming era where uh, it really is a attention span may even be shorter than, than ever before? I don't think it hurts to be an established artist until you get to the point where you've exhausted the hit streak and you've used up your second chances. I think Top 40 Radio would always tell you that it's song-driven, but in terms of getting listened to, it helps to be a brand-name artist. We should say, at the same time, uh, two acts who have been around for a little bit since the early part of the decade continue to absolutely uh, be in the middle lane of pop and, and still doing really well. Bruno Mars and Ed Sheeran. Now, those two artists are, uh, I think, noticeably on their third album, which is still pretty young in the game. You yeah. know, they've only, I mean, they've been around. Do you think that, I mean, could, do they have, do they have a, f- a four or five album streak in them? Or are they going to be the same, you know, in five years, are we going to say, man, remember when Ed Sheeran was the guy in right. 2017 and now in 2023, he can't, you know, can't strum a hit to save his life. I think Ed Sheeran has just turned in an album with twice as many singles as radio has gotten to. I think there's another year's worth of hits on this album. I think we could have been having this discussion about Bruno six months ago when Versace on the floor was a single, and he went back and reinvented finesse and had a hit. You know, nobody is guaranteed a hit on album number seven, and nobody is guaranteed a hit five years in the future. I think the fact that they continue to impress and make hits at this moment uh, is all that they're required to do. Two questions, uh, Sean. Uh, One, I kind of want to go back to Taylor Swift um, and talk about, uh, when we mentioned 1989 in particular, I I think a lot of us, um, I guess alongside Fearless, we'll, we'll remember that as her crowning moment, you know, her biggest album, yada yada. Um, do you think that because of that album being such a so big and so um, just long lasting, you know, singles well into a year after its release, winning the Grammy, album of the year, a year after it's gone, do you think there is any sort of backlash to to an artist getting that big where people feel? Oh my gosh, is she still around? This this album won't go away. We've heard all these songs. She's everywhere. When the next one comes out, they're just over the wave that was Taylor Swift. I think when you've been ubiquitous at radio for a while, you have to calculate the next single really well. I think that's when people decide if they've heard too much of you or not. If Phil Collins follows up three hit albums and the song is Another Day in Paradise, maybe people who like Susudio are less enthusiastic about Phil Collins, and then they go, you know, I've been hearing him nonstop for three to five years. One of the best songs we've mentioned on the podcast in a long time. Another Day in Paradise. Oh, no, Susudio. Much better. Another Day in Paradise. If people... People were primed for the new Taylor Swift, and if she had reinvented herself yet again, if people had loved, look what you made me do, nobody would have said, 
and we're kind of tired of her anyway. Now, that's a good point, Sean, that maybe uh, this is all sort of a ripple effect, that Look What You Made Me Do is polarizing, and uh, these other songs, maybe they, they are good on their own, but coming after that, they're, they're just kind of hitting the residual effect of that a little bit. Long before she became exclusively a pop artist, I thought Taylor Swift had reached a point of diminishing returns with Today is a Fairy Tale. Today was a fairy tale, you were the prince I used to be a damsel in distress You took me by the hand and you picked me up at six Today was a fairy tale I mean, she had taken Love Story and she'd given us mine, which sounded kind of like Love Story. Uh, And then she'd gotten to the point where everything sort of sounded like one of her earlier songs. Right. And she went back and and reinvented herself. It's just hard to do that a second and third time. When you look back at the Taylor rollout and and the the choices... Um, I mean, I maintained that Look What You Made Me Do had to be the first single because I think if if people had just got their hands on the album and, and went through it track by track, that's the one they would have focused on because it's sort of the most dramatic, one, the most edgy, the most shady. Um, but when we look back now, what what would you have thought would have been a better, either a better first single or a better choice uh, to roll out the album with? I think Look What You Made Me Do was the policy statement. You're correct about that. I think that, if anything, perhaps it was diluted by having multiple singles out there instead of people having to live with it on the radio for a while and decide whether they liked it. Sean, I want to ask you about a couple other sounds at Top 40. Uh, One is that we've talked about hip-hop, how big it is. What's your take on what Top 40 is doing with uh, Drake? and Migos and Post Malone, are they... Or, are they, or not doing Yeah, or not doing Are they looking at these numbers and, and just saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to trust our research, we're going to go by sound, and as big as some of these songs are streaming-wise, we're, we're still going to be really careful. Even when we see Drake getting 100 million streams in a week, uh, we're not going to shoot it right to the top 10 uh, that quickly. It's interesting to me about God's plan, because God's plan used to be the kind of song he released to hip-hop, and then he would come... With the up tempo, you know the pop, you know the up tempo multi format single. I think Top Forty is trying to figure out how to acknowledge these songs. I think without the streaming stories, uh, they might not be on Top Forty's radar at all. I think having a fun up tempo Migos um, will ultimately pay off for them. When you when you say you don't think it's on their radar at all. I'm sure some people would think, isn't that kind of, does that seem sort of out of touch or, or kind of dangerous if they're not, you know, uh, checking just even once a week, you know, what's on Spotify, what's on Shazam? I mean, to me, when you say th- they're not aware of these songs, that really feels like you don't, I mean, you don't know what's going on. When just I say the- not on their radar, I don't necessarily mean unaware. I think they would have not necessarily been in the consideration set, and now they are. Ah, uh, Okay. 
All right, the other sound, uh, Sean, that uh, I feels like we're maybe seeing a little a bit of a resurgence, but it's it's sort of from from almost nothing to a little bit more is uh, rock. I imagine dragons are a sort of a hybrid of pop rock at this point. Uh, Foster the People, the, this song that's uh, currently on the charts, a uh, pretty poppy. Uh, but Alice Merton is you know fairly uh, out of the rock world. Uh, the new AJR is kind of interesting because it's sounds like an alternative record, but they have a pop. Uh, background. Uh, what's your take on, on rock? Is it making any kind of a, a uptick right now at Top 40? I don't know that rock is coming back. I think more of the pop songs that have been at alternative, and again, not necessarily in pop radio's considerations that are making their way over. It feels like, yeah, like to, almost like to ward off the, the hip-hop monster, like pop is like starting to sort of absorb some of these pseudo rock songs is just okay. Fine, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, grab, we'll grab this audience to to keep it afloat, just so we don't necessarily have to throw in all these hip hop songs in case they you know don't land or we have to do too many censors or whatever. Um, I think it. I think it's more complex than that. I think top forty liked being its own ecosystem for a long time, and they liked having hip-hop inflected records that came from top 40 and they liked having alternative and rock feeling records that came from top 40 when harry styles came out with sign of the times and with kiwi they were willing to at least consider a record that they never would have played if it had walked in from another format and ultimately those you know those weren't home runs but it was actually easier for the for Top Forty to consider a guitar rock record from Harry Styles than it was uh, coming from coming from alternative radio. Yeah, that always surprises me. I know it's it's easier. You see the name Harry Styles. You assume listeners uh, Top Forty know him, so it is on some level safer to play that. But at the same time, wouldn't you look at the audience that a number one alternative record like the AJR song is is getting and say, you know what? There's there's more a story on this song well, than there and, is on Harry Styles. Well, if AJR had a track record, I think that's just Top Forty waiting until somebody asks. I, the AJR record has been an obvious pop hit to me since it was out, and the next one feels like an obvious pop hit to me. It says something about Top 40's initial reaction to them that they felt like they had to go create a story somewhere else. Top 40 should have a long, happy history with them by now. They've always been kind of quirky. I feel like Top 40's always uh, had a little bit of, uh, what do we do with these guys? And it's even with yeah, the song, they, but, but they've if it's always more. made good records, and they always would have been the pure pop act that Top Forty wanted. And they're still, to me, a pure pop act. They're just coming in from alternatives now. All right, you're always looking ahead, uh, Sean. What uh, what songs are, are maybe bubbling up or uh, starting to maybe uh, come over, or at least you think from other formats, uh, would work at, at Top 40? My favorite record right now, and you know, I've, you know, I keep finding excuses to write about it, is Fake Ass Friends. <laughs> 
it's up, it's fun, it's pop. It wouldn't sound out of place sonically on the pop leaning format that alternative has become, but it's you know it is a record that Top Forty could own. And you wrote that weirdly, considering the title, it's Radio Disney that's leading the charge on that song, not uh, terrestrial radio. And hits one. Right. And in this day and age, you can get 200 spins from hits one, Sirius XM Venus, and Radio Disney uh, before you have broadcast radio. And while we're also looking forward, uh, one thing, um, just to kind of call back that you mentioned out with, with Bruno Mars and Finesse, something we've kind of mulled around uh, internally a little bit. I mean, if you look at the top five this week on the mainstream top 40 chart, the first four are all collaborations that are cross-genre collaborations. Do you think um, for a lot of pop artists, either, I guess either for, for pop artists who need a new a new touch to some of these old singles or for some artists to break into this lane, do you think that this cross-genre collaboration is something that we'll see a lot more of going forward? Or do you think it's kind of maybe just a, a moment in 2017-18 that might get exhausted pretty soon? Again, Top 40 has not given up on growing their own. Top 40, to, you know, to the earlier point, um, it's almost easier for them to have their own Cardi B record. It's, you know, it's easier for them to have their own Scissor record. I'd like to hear The weekend on Top 40. Um, this is a song, not the artist. But it's, you know, it's easier for them to have her come in through Maroon 5. You know, along these lines, uh, Sean, for, for decades, Top 40 it truly was uh, the best of all genres. And they, they would play a, a number one country hit once in a while. They would take from other genres. And it feels like maybe the last uh, 20 years or so, it, it's become more kind of, as you said, it, its own sound, its own ecosystem. Uh, does it make sense now going forward that uh, as listeners are growing up with fewer borders? I think the audience is less siloed than ever. I think we have been in the everybody likes everything age for a decade. I think Top 40 is acknowledging more stories from the outside now, but not necessarily enough. I think the number of records Top 40 is dealing with has contracted. And so I think it's harder for a song outside the format to get a slot. Yeah, true. But it is kind of nice when you see, as Trevor was just saying, you look at the top of the chart, you see Marin Morris, Zed, Bruno Mars, Cardi B, uh, BB Rexa, Florida Georgia Line. And if nothing else, we are seeing a lot of different acts from a lot of different sounds, uh, all finding a home well, in Top 40. That's what it's supposed to be. Marin Morris should be a Top 40 act going forward. She should continue to make great country records, and Top 40 should acknowledge them like they occasionally acknowledge the Carrie Underwood song. As country radio decides what it's going to do with Rich, Rich would sound great on Top 40. Marin's new single. They should probably go back and get 80s Mercedes. But as you said before, if they don't get that push, they're just not going to do it on their own. Well, and you know, look, at, look at that Sharon Galloway girl. Two St. Patrick's Days have come and gone, and only a handful of stations grab that song for either of them. 
great as always, Sean. I feel like nobody probably knows more about uh, Top 40 Radio than you, so we always really appreciate uh, all your insights about Taylor, uh, about everything that, that we wound up uh, touching on. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. This is why we can't have song I still think should be a single from uh, the new album, Reputation, from Taylor Swift. This is why we can't have nice things. It, it's different than Delicate. It's different than some of the other uh, singles that have come out so far. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get that fifth single. I still think it's fun, maybe for, for summertime. I don't know. Uh, uh, Fun, yeah, but I think it falls right into that sort of trap about uh, her sort of public image and her persona. I mean, for Taylor Swift to go around and tell you, you know, I mean, to... to basically reference the Kim and Kanye feud and that's in that middle verse. I don't know if it's necessarily the smartest PR play to put to yeah. put that kind of song out, especially given the reception of, you know, look what you made me do. Yeah. So, uh, what do Drake and Cardi B have in common? Well, for that answer, we are going to turn back the clock almost 20 years to a track from what I consider one of the best albums of all time. Gary has a scowl on his face because he disagrees with that. I'm not prepared to discuss it based on my listening experience to 90s hip hop. Ah, okay. Gary has to recuse himself from this debate. Uh, that song... Right there, X Factor by Lauryn Hill from The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which is making its resurgence back in pop culture this week, uh, thanks to Nice For What, which samples X Factor. And, believe it or not, Cardi B's Be Careful sampling as well. So, uh, Lauryn is about to get a lot of checks in this house between Drake and Cardi B, because we know those songs are selling and streaming like hotcakes. So, let's talk uh, a little bit about X Factor and bring in Lauren Hill, for those who may not know, uh, she hasn't put out an album in 20 years, so maybe some of the young kids out there are not quite sure of Lauren and her history. So we'll walk it back. Um, we're actually going to start before we get to the miseducation talk. Uh, when Lauren Hill was a kid, 12 years old, uh, her, one of her first sort of national appearances was on Showtime at the Apollo. She sang at the Apollo Theater when she was 12, singing a classic from the Jackson 5, Who's Loving You and Believe it or not, listen carefully, but this is the reception she got at 12. Yes, that is the audience booing Lauren Hill, 12 years old, at the Apollo, believe it or not. So, someone who goes on to make one of the best albums of all time, 
just a little over, you know, a decade, decade and a half later. I mean, the Apollo is known as one of the roughest crowds in all of show business. So you got to bring it in. And, you know, if they sense any sort of timidity, any sort of, you know, weakness, once you, once you get shy, you know, you go a little flat, you go a little mumbling. So you're saying if we ever uh, tour Shark Beat Podcast live, we maybe shouldn't book a date at the Apollo. Absolutely not. We'll get, we'll get ethered. Gotcha. Uh, but listen, but, but listen, Lauren did not let that booing stop her. She uh, finished the performance, got a great ovation. And obviously flashing forward, turned it into a huge career. People will know her first as one third of the trio, the Fugees, uh, along with Wyclef Jean and Pross, huge hit makers, probably best known for their album, the score, which contained, uh, ready or not, which contained Fuji law. And of course, their cover of Killing Me Softly, uh, originally done by Robert Flack, a Hot 100 number one back in the 70s, uh, and a huge hit on Airplay at the time. Now, take it forward a couple more years, and Lauren ready to dive into her solo project. Uh, believe it or not, Lauren is only 23 when she puts out The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which I'm older than 23. Gary is definitely older than 23. I'm about her age. Oh, oh, is that right? So be careful. Okay. Uh, but Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, one of the classic albums in the hip-hop catalog uh, for several reasons. I mean, number one in terms of charts, huge debuts for Lauryn. The album debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 when it comes out in 1998, as does the single Doo-Wop That Thing, uh, a number one debut for Lauren as well. One of the few songs, less than 30, that have debuted in the top spot. Album goes on to win five Grammy Awards. Lauren Hill is the first woman to win five Grammys in one night, so not Barbara Streisand, not Aretha Franklin, not Tina Turner, not Whitney, not Mariah. Lauren Hill, the first woman to walk away with five trophies in one night, including the big one, Album of the Year, the first time a hip-hop album actually wins that award and if you've not heard the miseducation of lauren hill i'm telling you stop this podcast cut it off it'll be here when you get back go get on spotify or title amazon whatever listen to that album it holds up so well an x factor following doo-wop as one of the singles hits the top 10 on the hot r&b hip-hop songs chart and just outside the top 20 on the hot 100 at number 21 but obviously as you can see the song lives on influencing a lot of people in the time in the neo soul genre and a lot of those artists who came after of course drake and cardi just a few of the artists who have paid tribute uh, in many ways to lauren ever since then and when it comes to lauren you know we're talking this is her only solo album so to have an album that 20 years later just one album in your catalog that people are referencing and referring to, trying to sample, always trying to, to reference, to match. I mean, that's that's legendary right there. And from a chart standpoint, kind of cool. The, the song we just said got to number 21 on the Hot 100. This week, Cardi B's sample uh, brings it to the top 20, brings it higher. Uh, Be Careful debuts number 16. And next week, Drake probably going to bring it to the top 10. And... Of course, people remember there was a nice Cardi Lorne tie-in last year when Bodak Yellow hit number one. was the first song by a female rapper. Right. All by herself. No help from any other vocalists to get to number one since Doo-Wop. That Thing by Lorne in 98. So there's a nice sort of Cardi Lorne connection forming right. that I think people uh, 
I mean, I'll be I'll be a fan of you know seeing going forward. Who knows? And uh, Drake uh, jumping into that uh, club as well. All right, that is this week's Billboard Sharpie podcast. Uh, next week, speaking of '90s remakes, uh, I, I may not be the best person to talk about uh, '90s R&B hip hop, but uh, '90s rock probably a little more uh, in my world. Uh, Cranberries zombie in 1994 number one alternative songs hit uh it's come back thanks to bad wolves that uh, had the top debut on the hot 100 a few weeks ago it's now top 10 on the mainstream rock songs chart uh, we're going to hear from uh, the act uh bad wolves the lead singer of the band next week on the podcast talking about uh, how this song came together and it's a very bittersweet story because uh, uh dolores o'reardon of the cranberries was supposed to be on the song and uh, she passed away and when they were going to record it but uh, songs come out as a tribute it's become a huge hit so i'm going to talk to him about that we're going to talk uh, more about how the song's doing well at radio even pop radio as well uh, which seems really surprising it's a pretty heavy remake uh, totally out of what top 40 is playing but some stations are, are actually uh, sampling it so uh, amid all the hip-hop there is a little bit of rock making some inroads all right and for uh, fans of gary who are not fans of me That'll be a nice treat for you next week uh, when I am not on the podcast. Womp, womp. We talk about rock and you disappear. It, funny how that works, right? That's convenient for me. Ran uh, you out of town. So, uh, yeah, I can't keep away for long, though. I'll be back in two weeks. Uh, of course, always keeping an eye on the charts. Most importantly, next week, we will see where Nice For What shows up and if it can do what seems like the impossible and knock God's plan out from number one. All right, we'll close with this. We talked uh, about the Fugees before when they did their cover, Killing Me Softly. That was a huge airplay hit back in the mid-'90s. A lot of people know that, the cover of their Berta Flack song. Well, a bonus track on Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is actually another cover of a classic song, a reworking of. Do you know it, Gary? Do you expect me to at this point? All right. Uh, a classic hit by Frankie Valli can't take my eyes off of you all right here is the uh modern classic version we'll say as done by lauren hill who will not be booed this time are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.